Hello, this is Angelica Yingst, and you're listening to Centered, Grounded Conversations About the Metaphysical. Happy August, friends. It's Angelica Yingst, and I'm coming in with your tarot and earth medicine reading for August. Thank you for being patient with me through July. I had surgery on the 5th, and I am feeling really good. I actually did not have too much pain or discomfort at all. I mostly am just super fatigued. And also, I have fully moved into menopause, so I am having some hot flashes and some moodiness and things like that, but nothing very extreme. I think I've been going through this for a while, so I am happy to be coming at you feeling a lot lighter and a lot better. So I'm still taking a few weeks to finish my recovery. They told me six weeks. So I am trying to take that before I work on clients. So as I can be a clear and clean channel of energy. So um, I am doing uh, these, uh, you know, readings for the months and uh, the new moons and full moons and all my subscriptions and all that stuff. So there is more happening here at the moon and stone. You can go back and look at some of my newsletters if you haven't lately, but I will be moving full time into the moon and stone basically and all to view, which I already work at. So I love seeing people in person. I just know that I have a lot more people that listen to me that are far away. So I do offer, I'm going to be offering more distance, uh, offerings, and things like that. But again, if you have any opinions about that, there is a survey in one of my last newsletters. And that would be so helpful for me because I actually am taking direction from this from you guys, what you want and what you're looking forward to. So that's it for my intro. Let's get into the reading. So, you know, we're having some hard astrology. And we've had some for the last few weeks. Um, so the last part of July and the beginning of August are really all about change and breakthroughs, maybe breakdowns, maybe breakups, uh, who knows, but everything's breaking. Um, in fact, Chani Nicholas used the tower for this time period. Now I didn't pull that, but it's interesting the cards that came up and what came up for this month. Um, when Uranus and Mars are, they're going to conjoin in the North node between July 31st and August 1st, and it is going to be a challenging and complex time because it asks us to make change that we might not actually be ready for or that we're not, we're still comfortable and we haven't quite decided. So it's sort of pushing us towards that. So Mars is a planet of motivation, assertion, conflict sometimes, anger, um, action, uh, Mars doesn't sit back and let stuff happen to it. So Mars is also a planet of like how we argue and fight and how we disagree and how we assert ourselves. And then Uranus is a planet of innovation. It actually is a planet of disruption and breakthroughs and change. So when you put that together, you know, it's it's really interesting. The North Node is a point that has like a an urge to kind of reach forward and um, all of our eclipses happen in the North node. Think of it that way. So when they all come together, life can be really turbulent, chaotic, um, 
it can have this interesting uh, push to make things a little more complicated rather than easy. So this influence is going to be in Taurus and that initiates the change. And so I think, you know, some of these circumstances are going to feel almost like they're faded, like we're in some kind of Greek play or something. <laughs> like we know the Greek chorus has already told us this is happening and it keeps reminding us over and over and over again of the inevitability of this thing. But still when it happens, everybody's going to be like, what? Totally shocked and gobsmacked. So it's like the, the thing with us saying that the emperor has no clothes for like a really long time and suddenly the rest of the world's like wait the emperor doesn't have any clothes on We're like yeah we've been telling you that and then they you know it's just shit changes you know so after meeting up with the north node and uranus mars will square saturn the planet of obstacles and restrictions on the 7th of august so that's like a massive roadblock it'll be a lot of like hurry up and wait it, it kind of reminds me like when i look at that energy of like the red light green light game that you play we go like green light, red light. And some kids turned around saying that and everybody's trying to get to the end. Um, but it's going to be with our goal. So in, in some ways we're going to move forward and in other ways it's going to feel like we're starting and stopping and starting and stopping. If you can look at it in a positive way, it basically means that we're going to be able to see the barrier that comes up and stops us. And then, and therefore, you know, obviously release it, let go of it, uh, figure out ways to overcome it and then be able to move on. So in a lot of ways, it's an opportunity to reevaluate and commit. So I'm sorry if I'm making weird mouth noises. <laughs> I had a cacao bit and it is making my mouth a little gummy or something. Um, so this is what Chani Nicholas said, and I think this is important too. And I didn't want to like try to reword it. I just think she um, said something that I don't know if I can say properly. But she says, since Saturn entered Aquarius in March of 2020, oh, nothing happened in March of 2020, guys. Uh, tense aspects between Mars and Saturn have correlated with the introduction of the coronavirus and the significant and challenging iterations of the pandemic. This is the last square they will make to one another while Saturn is still in Aquarius. It's a kind of disturbing finale with the variant strains of COVID and the added spread of monkeypox, which was just labeled as a global health emergency. It's clear that this moment brings with it an abundance of caution and the need to move thoughtfully through the world with copious amounts of care. If Saturn teaches us anything, it's that healthy boundaries are a major part of how we show up for one another. So I thought that was important and just kind of keeping that in the back of my mind, knowing that this isn't like, um, you know, prediction or anything. It's just, hey, you know, Chani Nicholas has noticed these trends at this same astrological junction. Okay, so Mars enters, or sorry, Mercury enters Virgo August 4th, and Libra, it enters Libra on August 25th. So this gives us an interesting um, layout for working on our communication and communicating our needs. Virgo is precise. It tries to be perfect, you know, and it has a lot of anxiety because of that. But in some ways, this is a, the best kind of placement for talking because it tries 
you know, to plan out and really make communication important. Um, the planet of love and money, Venus, enters Leo on August 11th. And basically, it's, you know, an interesting, um, I love Leo, and Leo and Venus is really passionate and, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's going to be good, I think. And then uh, Mars is in Gemini on August 20th. And so that is just saying, like, when Mars is in Gemini, basically your fighting style becomes very verbally assaulting and overwhelming, okay? So just be careful, like, hold back if you can. Um, and it, it's going to be in Gemini until 2023, March 2023. And it's going to be in retrograde starting in October, but it just gives us a lot of time to figure out how to express our anger and assert ourselves and keep boundaries. Um, of course, this month, the sun shifts into Virgo on August 22nd, um, and Uranus starts a five-month retrograde journey in Taurus starting on August 24th, which is basically will kind of hold back change and growth. So it's like kind of saying like, let's look at everything right now. And there's a new moon in Virgo on August 27th. And that's wonderful because it helps us to set intentions for our earthly concerns with our uh, jobs and how to kind of make like precise decisions or honest decisions that makes our life better. So that's kind of the astrology for this month. I think, you know, one of the things that I find very, very helpful is thinking about like, what can we do with this information that we get? And I think there is a kind of sense that like, August is a doing month. It is an abundant month. We get ready, we prep, we we do all that stuff. Some of us go on vacation, but <laughs> a lot of us, because we know we're prepping for the fall, which gets super busy, especially um, September. And, um, so, it, it, you know, what we should do with this astrology is maybe not over schedule. How about under schedule yourself <laughs> and, um, try some like self-care meditations, sitting still with discomfort, with discomfort in uncomfortable situations, using the small dream time that you might have to, um, do some work and asking like questions of our higher self and our guides in dream time. Um, and then, you know, I think one of the other things that we always have to say is, you know, learning how to prioritize self-care is valuable at any part in any juncture of um, the astrological forecast for the year. But when we have some difficult um, transits and stuff like that, it can be invaluable. So that's part of the reason why when we do it all year, it doesn't become like a big thing. Like, I don't even know how to rest. We have rested. We know how to do that. So let's get the tarot and earth medicine for the month. For our tarot of the month, the eight of cups comes in. This is the moving on card, or some people say the moving on up card. Um, but the Eight of Cups is a minor arcana card in the Suit of Cups. And this is a card of finding balance. So my mentor is Pixie Lighthorse so and Hibiscus Moon. But Pixie Lighthorse um, was my earth medicine teacher. And I worked with her for a good, like, eight years, I think. At any rate, um, 
one of the things that Pixie always says, and I have carried this with me even when I do circles, is know what you need, ask for what you want, okay? And she used to say that to us all the time. Know what you need, ask for what you want in the beginning of circle. So if like, we were like, I really need some reassurance right now. She would stop circle and help that person. Um, so this is a really interesting part of the eight of cups because we're balancing aspects of the self and the emotional being with the outside world. So in the writer weight Smith deck, and I think if you can, you can pause and pull out your eight of cups because I think seeing it might be helpful. Um, it's just a really deep card. It has a lot of symbolism. So it shows um, in the front of the card, eight cups stacked up. And it almost looks like one of Pixie, um, I don't mean Pixie Lighthorse, I mean uh, Pamela Coleman Smith, so we call her Pixie Smith. Pixie's um, drawing here has like almost a stage in the front with all the cups lined up. And um, it shows the eight cups stacked up, five on the bottom, three on the top, but there's two on one side and one on the other. So it either looks like there's a cup missing or it's like, why is this not symmetrical? And it's in the foreground, okay? In the background, what you see is a man um, dressed in red walking away. So you see the back of him. So I guess it could be a woman, but um, let's call them they. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, they are walking towards the mountains and it's dark out, okay? But in the sky is both the sun and moon together. So it's like the crescent sun and the moon's coming in almost looks like an eclipse which is how most tarot people see it but we don't you know obviously we don't quite know it just has a lot going on let's put that way so uh this person's walking over water they walked over a stream or something and they're going into the mountains now um when we see someone dressed in red, we usually associate that with wealth. Okay. That means they're, they're wealthy. So then why is he leaving? Why is he going out into the woods? He has nothing with him. He has packed nothing. It's just his red suit. Um, so why is he doing that? So, um, a lot of the tarot writers, the people who kind of started writing books about it, were, were suspicious of wealth. They were suspicious of worldly things. They were spiritual people. They were looking for spiritual explanations for things. So this is an important part of this. They, you know, they, they felt like everyone's craving this thing that is um, craven. <laughs> is that a, they were craving a thing that was craven. Um, I thought that was funny, but, um, basically they thought they were idiots, you know, <laughs> like anybody who craves wealth is an idiot because it's impermanent. And so you see this lesson shown over and over and over again. And it's the same thing. Like even in like the seven of cups, where it's like right before this card, you know, there's all these different things that he could be choosing. You know, it's like wealth and a woman and a snake or, I mean, a, a dragon and, um, you know, a castle and the laurel of war wins, like war victory. Uh, and what does he choose? He chooses the thing underneath the um, cloth, which looks like Jesus, but is really spiritual fulfillment. And this card is showing that happening. He's walking away from all those things because those things do not bring balance. They not they not bring emotional fulfillment. And this is the important part of the suit of cups. It rules emotion and emotional balance. 
And so what he's doing is like, yes, I have all these cups. I have eight cups, but I can't figure out how to balance them. And so he moves on. And a lot of people see this eight of cups as the minor arcana's hermit card. We have uh, lots of cards in the minors that represent majors, I, uh, concepts or ideas, but behave in minor arcana ways. So the hermit goes out for this big spiritual enlightenment, blah, blah, blah. In the eight of cups, he's going out, just he's leaving. He doesn't even know where he's going. He's not necessarily looking for spiritual enlightenment. What he's doing is saying, I know this thing isn't going to bring me spiritual balance, right? I know, I know where I was isn't going to bring me spiritual balance. So um, the eight is part of the trajectory of the entire suit. So he had seven other experiences before getting to this one, right? And we know that the eight is a place that we have action and change, okay? Things have to change. And the next card that comes up is the wish fulfillment card, the nine of cups, but he can only get there after leaving unhealthy, toxic, or draining situations. He is looking to a build his abundance and manifest or call in what he truly, truly wants. And the process of leaving is not easy. And so that's why this card, like a lot of people are like, it's time to just move on and, and go to the next place and leave that situation. But the card, the work of this card is figuring out how to let go. The, the, it, you're leaving comfort and you're leaving what you know, you're leaving what you think you know, what is pleasing to others that might not be pleasing to us. And that's a big part of this card. It's this toxic people pleasing that we sometimes engage in or, you know, chasing the wrong dream, the dream of having lots of money. Okay, now I have lots of money. I'm still sad or I'm still unhappy or I still don't like this woman <laughs> that I'm married to. You know, the eight asks us to make sure that we are not sacrificing our comfort for another's comfort. Okay, the eight asks us to move to a place of being alone rather than feeling alone. Okay, so there are a few cards that remind us that this temporary discomfort is important at times for our long-term goals. And I'm specifically thinking of the hangman, which sacrifices enlightenment or sacrifices comfort for enlightenment or sacrifices, I should say, the comfort of seeing things the way he's used to seeing them and looking upside down at things. That's that's important too. So we may not be quite ready to start something new. In fact, nothing on here is a guarantee. It's not like he's moving to a place. Like he's like, oh, I know exactly where I'm going. He's just like, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm leaving. And so he's moving to the craggy mountains, you know, and I call them the craggy mountains because you see them on the back of on the in the background of a number of cards like death, temperance, the moon. Uh, they're all liminal spaces, and they're all places that seem to have some kind of enlightenment. So, um, you know, in, in many ways, um, where we were was the prison and the craggy mountains become the, the place of freedom, you know, the place to explore what it is we want. So the eight and the minors and the major uh, arcana, which is strength card, are sometimes about boundaries and, and they can be shown as boundaries. And if we look at the aid of swords, you can see this, there's a violation happening. There's a boundary of swords around her, um, even if it's in her own making, but in the cups, um, the front of the card, the eight cups are sometimes seen as an emotional boundary that we're not allowing others to cross. This is a 
journey for ourselves by ourselves. And so this can be an, an, an invaluable part of the teachings of this card. So it feels very intentional and can be viewed as a reminder to maintain healthy boundaries. Um, so the imagery is this is what Rachel Pollock says. The imagery suggests one of the true uses of water instinct, an ability to sense when something is ended before it either dries up or comes crashing down around us to know it's time to move on. So I love that idea and the eight, it gives us that. Now, another thing, one more thing, the last thing I think is the uh, sun and moon together. So the sun you know, tends to represent the mind and the moon represents intuition. And so when you see these eclipses happening, you know, we're looking at, does the, does the moon, uh, eclipse the sun because it's dark. We kind of think that, um, and we must walk into darkness. So the idea of like, we're, we're going through this dark phase to come out into the light again. Um, so let's talk about some earth medicine to navigate this time. I honestly, you know, I'm on vacation, so I haven't brought all of my stuff with me. And so I did not bring ally, like plant ally cards or crystal ally cards. So I kind of, um, went deep and, and looked and, and Palo Santo jumped straight out. So, um, it's a wonderful ally for this month. It's very protective and healing. Palo Santo literally means sacred wood. It is in Spanish and Palo Santo is used in traditional South American, uh, shamanic work for, um, healing, for purifying energy, for clearing spaces, for setting sacred space, and for ceremony. It has been used for centuries. And Palo Santo is also used to inspire creative energy. It's used for protection, and it's used in healing and health ceremonies. Um, it is used after an argument or an illness, and it just is a wonderfully protective guide. And we're going to talk about why I'm giving you protective guides this month because I usually talk about the crystals next, but I'm going to talk about our animal guide next because I actually did pull the mystic shaman card and, um, I pulled the medicine wheel twice. So I'm like, okay, it is a, an animal on the medicine wheel. I actually thought, and I have been thinking that it was going to be hummingbird the past couple of months, but, uh, actually it's Jaguar. And the next card I pulled I pulled it once, shuffled, pulled it again, medicine wheel again, shuffled, and then Jaguar came up. So Jaguar is the queen of shadow work, um, and she is appearing. So when I sat with her and I dropped into journey, I saw dismemberment. So we're going to be doing a dismemberment journey in August. So if you're part of my membership group and you do the journeys, get ready, buckle up. We're doing a dismemberment journey. So um, dismemberment journeys are like some of the oldest of the shamanic cleansing journeys and date back to the very origins of shamanism in the process of my earth medicine, uh, certification and a lot of shamanic in initiations. We undergo the process of rebirth through the shamanic experience of dismemberment, where in the journey state, we literally ask our animal to rip us apart tear at us, eat us, um, do what they do in their animal ways. Um, they basically kill us and journey and then they remember us, right? They put us together without the toxic shit that we were carrying with us. And then we rebirth. And so, um, 
this may have already happened to you in journey because it happens spontaneously more often than not. But I like doing them at certain points. We worked with Jaguar. I believe we worked with him in 2021. And I want to say it was in the first quarter of 2021, like maybe March or April. And we worked with the Hierophant. This is going to be a different jungle journey into the lower world for dismemberment. So it is going to be a little different. I'm not saying it's not going to be similar, but I think you'll have a different experience. You can do the same journey every single month and have a different experience. So there's that too. Um, this may have also happened to you in a dream. Like I had a dream um, that hyenas ripped me apart and ate me and left me like in pieces. And then all of a sudden, like a fire was like there and I was being burnt and I came back together and uh, I didn't know what that was called. In fact, I remember meeting with Athena Paracas for um, like a, a reading. This was like right when she started doing um, classes. Like I think I was in her first class. So I had gotten a private reading with her and it happened during that time. So that was 2012 and I had booked a reading with her and I told her what happened. And she's the one who said, that's called the dismemberment journey. So very, very helpful when she said that. But anyway, Jaguar is one of our go-to allies for this work. So Jaguar is a very, is a large wild cat. It's primarily found in the Americas. It's actually the third largest cat behind lion and tiger. Native Americans termed Jaguar Jaguar because it means he who kills with one leap because jaguars usually hide in trees or they often hide in trees and then jump and ambush their prey uh, because jaguars at the top of the food chain they also represent like a sort of confidence uh, conquering fear and the ability to sort of walk with that swagger and confidence that only an apex predator can have just like they give no fucks right <laughs> Jaguar attacks the head of the prey, and this kind of fuels the theory that Jaguar understands the mind and um, helps us to like pull out when we're too much in our head. So if you are doing a dismemberment journey, notice where the jaguar is eating you first. You know, if it's the head, then we're getting out of our head, right? Um so the Mayans see Jaguar as a totem of Hosenic, the god of the southern sky, who would enter the dreams of the leaders of the community to make sure they were telling the truth of the people. And that's a really big part of Jaguar's medicine is this kind of integrity and truth and boundary keeping. Um, in uh, Lower America, Jaguar is seen as a god that inhabits the underworld um, and is called the night sun. And that's, you know... Part of the night sun is that the spots of the jaguar are seen as stars that help overcome darkness. In a lot of um, this, like medicine, when I'm talking about jaguar and talking about the spots, we can use black panther as well. Black panther is the same animal as jaguar; it just is melanated. You know, it's dark, so it has a different. Um, like it just, it basically, we work with it more with shadow work and with, you know, that, but it really, they're the same medicine. Um, and you can work with either whatever you're most comfortable with or whatever comes to you. Um, in the Mayan ruins, uh, Jaguar is only second to the revered feathered snake of Quetzalcoatl. And um, so 
yeah, I love jaguar. Ancient Greeks saw uh, jaguar as a symbol of the giant Argos of a thousand eyes, who was a watchman appointed to guard uh, Io when she was the nymph Io, who was transformed into a cow so she could have an illicit affair with Zeus. Um, and then the infant Roman god of agriculture, wine of festivities, Bacchus, was nursed by panthers. Um, in South American shamanic tribes, jaguar protects the shaman from evil and negativity. And it moves to the dimensions of the spirit world without being detected, which is why shamans will uh, transform into jaguars or said to be able to transform into jaguars. But anyone going through a spiritual awakening can ask for jaguar to uh, support them and help them open their gifts to clairaudience, clairvoyance. Um, it's a big reasons why shaman uh, choose to merge with them energetically. To Jaguar, truth and integrity are non-negotiables. And like the Eight of Cups insists, Jaguar will remove itself from any situation that isn't aligned with truth, integrity, or its spiritual path. So it disappears. You know, it moves out into the mountains. Uh, so Jaguar is a perfect power animal for healers as it helps shaman perceive disease and remove unwanted energy and attachments and you can use jaguar to remove um, cords to remove energy bubbles from the energetic system doing um, energy surgery or of course dismemberment um, we do different shamanic journeys with jaguar um, so we're going to be doing dismemberment like i said for our monthly journey but you can do embodiment or shape-shifting into jaguar which are also both shamanic initiations and they can be really powerful medicine i don't think i'm going to be teaching that but i don't know i might um if you're hitting an emotional bottom or experiencing a kind of dark night of the soul jaguar reminds you not to resist that process that that's where the spiritual wisdom is so jaguar can help you assimilate wisdom and develop clarity so our crystal allies then for the month are the go-to's for dismemberment journeys shadow work and shamanic work okay so and i did pull these um i used my deck actually which i have a crystal associated with each one so uh, that was really fun to do too and i might do that every time i don't know um so selenite was the first one that came up now selenite is a crown chakra stone it cleanses the aura it helps purify it's used a lot on the crown chakra but can be used on any chakra um, a long natural selenite wand can be placed on the spine for alignment now if you only have satin spar which is generally what's sold as selenite use that they work very similarly and all the same medicine. So the clarity of regular selenite can be really nice. So um, let's see. Oh, sorry, I lost my spot. Oh, um, smaller selenite wands are good for um, gritting homes. Um, you can hold pieces, one on each hand during meditation or during a healing session. Um, they're just wonderful to use. Um, you can open portals uh, with them. You can cleanse your energy field, wipe out the um, aura. Crystal lovers, crystal healers, sorry, lovers. Crystal healers love selenite. We use it a ton in our work because um, it's a powerhouse. And I'm serious. It really is unbelievably powerful. And a lot of people dismiss it because it's so easily found and you can 
really pick it up almost anywhere. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really great. Um, black tourmaline is our next one. And I swear I did not make this up. <laughs> I pulled it, but black tourmaline is incredibly protective. If I were going to make it up, it would be this. Uh, it's an important ally for shadow work because it's so protective. When we're in the phase of doing deep work like shadow work or dismemberment or cord cutting or energy surgery, our energy is very vulnerable. We have to think of it as like we have um, like molted our skin. And so black tourmaline is great because it's like an energetic bouncer. You know, it only lets cool kids into your club. And that's good. It just lets that good energy in, or it transforms it to neutral, you know, so that you can process it easily. Black tourmaline probably remains my most important ally in protection work. It is grounding. It protects from EMF or extremely low EMF, extremely low electromagnetic frequency. Sorry, ELFs. Okay, low, extremely low frequency energy. Um, it's good for transmuting negative energy to positive energy. It's sometimes called shoal, shoal, squirrel. I'm sorry. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. S-C-H-O-R-L. So if you can't find it under black tourmaline, look for that. It resonates with the root chakra, the earth star chakra. Um, it governs our connection to the earth. It's really a perfect stone. Um, it's great for transmuting and purifying negative energy, like I said, and it works really well for empaths, intuitives, and psychics, and those engaged in healing work. It also counters stress, addictive behavior, and anxiety, so it's great for the workplace, um, and you can keep one right next to your computer. And then the last one is serpentine. So green serpentine is sometimes called healerite which is a trade name. And I don't use that, but I like to tell people if they're looking they're like, I can't find serpentine everywhere. Okay. Look for Healerite. Um, it works really good. It's got that chartreuse color. So it has, it resonates with the chartreuse ray, which is a life-giving ray. Okay. It's a life-giving color. It's the color of the blossoms, the color of the grass coming up for the first time. Um, so the, you can work with it between the solar plexus and the heart. This is sometimes called the Nawa chakra, and this is a powerhouse. This is your chakra of action and physicality. It is where you do work. So this is going to be the place where you do movement that helps release trauma and helps you release this stuff. So after your dismemberment, I would suggest doing some light movement, uh, yoga stretches, um, even just moving energy. I was watching a really cool um, video about releasing uh, trauma in the sacral chakra, for example. And this woman was literally just laying down with her knees bent and just slowly moving the hips out and then slowly moving them back. And the releasing that happens from your sacral is just really profound this is the kind of movement I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, yeah, go run 10 miles, you know. Um, I would never tell you to do something I can't do myself. So serpentine, particularly healer, right? Feels really potent for shamanic practitioners. And those of you who have worked with me know that I'm constantly like, healer, right? 
serpentine, hyalurite, serpentine. Um, so this is a great shamanic energy stone. So that's your medicine for the month. And I hope that it finds you well. For those of you in my group, I will be give, sending out first of the month or early month uh, readings either today or tomorrow. I'll be doing shamanic journeys uh, by the 10th and um, I will see you in the group. I am you know, going to be back from my vacation in a couple days. I'm not seeing clients till the week of the 14th. So if you're interested in doing some work with me, just know that, you know, it's, there's a little bit of a backup, but, um, love you all and have a great month. Thanks for listening to Centered with me, Angie Yinkst. If you'd like to send me a question or comment about this show or any shows, you can send them to angie at themoonandstone.com. 